the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. WLCC Brandon. Faith Talk Tampa. Online at Let's Talk Or listen on TuneIn and Odyssey. The following is sponsored by Verse by Verse Ministries and is pre recorded. Jesus actually told us the reason why secular governments would persecute Christians. And he did this as we read on in verse 18. He said, you will even be brought before governors and kings. And notice this. He said, for my sake. That's the answer. The reason that the Lord's people will be and have been attacked at the highest levels of government has absolutely nothing to do with us personally. But it has everything to do with the Lord himself. Jesus is saying that our suffering is for his sake. In other words, he said, the world hates believers because they hate me. They hate Christ. Hello and welcome to Verse by Verse, a daily Bible class of the air led by pastor teacher Steve Kreloff. Pastor Steve has been serving for more than 26 years at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. These studies are an extension of Pastor Steve's preaching and teaching ministry at Lakeside. We are right in the middle of a series of lessons about opposition to the gospel, and our main text is Matthew chapter 10, verses 16 through 23. In this passage, Jesus warned his apostles in training that they would later face strong opposition to their message and that it would even become violent. He said that persecution would go on until his return, which means, as I'm sure you know, that it continues today. God is offering the greatest gift ever, but most people reject it. Jesus said in John chapter 8, verse 32, You shall know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Here is Pastor Steve. You see, the cross of Christ offends man's exalted view of himself because the cross reveals some very painful truths about us. We are not decent people. We are not good people. We are not people who are good outweighs some things we might have forgotten to do. The, the cross reveals that we're wicked sinners. We deserve the full wrath of God, which is what Jesus took. We deserve God's fury and, and anger poured out upon us. The cross tells us that we are rebellious creatures who deserve God's eternal judgment forever and ever and ever. And it is the cross of Christ that tells us that salvation only comes not by anything we do, but only by God's sovereign divine intervention, not human effort. And you know, all of that offends people because religion says just the opposite. But it's this very message of God's sovereign grace that destroys all human boasting and it wounds self-righteous pride. And when man's pride is, is wounded, he tends to attack those who tell him the truth about himself. He wants to silence that message. He doesn't like that message. That's precisely why the Pharisees, though, though so fastidious in their religious observances, hated Christ because he told them the truth about themselves. And he exposed them for, their, for, for the pious phonies that they were. They were not righteous men. 
In Matthew 23, on your own, you ought to read that. Jesus just blasted the Pharisees for being clean on the outside, but wicked on the inside. I'm not sure they were always so clean on the outside, but that's what they wanted to come across as. And the way the Pharisees reacted to Christ is really the same type of reaction that we can expect from religious people, whether they be fanatic Muslims or devout Catholics or those caught in the traditions of Greek and Eastern Orthodoxy or, or those who are liberal Protestants or observant Jews. They're all opposed to the gospel. And we ought to understand that because their religious faith, regardless of what name that it, it comes under, leads them to resist the message of grace and mercy. That message says you're not good. That message says God is holy. That message says you'll never attain salvation by your own good works. Listen, that's why Paul told the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians 1.18, the word of the cross is what? It's foolishness to those who are perishing. The world looks at the message we bring and says, that's absurd. That's silly. That one man would die, and if we believe in him, we would have eternal life. That's, that's nonsense. Paul said, I know that's what it looks like. That's God's plan. That's the message of grace and mercy. And this, I think, may help to explain why some of us have received the strongest opposition to our faith from, from those within our own families, religious family members and, and relatives who oppose us. You may be a new believer in Christ and wondering, why am I getting such opposition? I thought this was a good thing. It is good. It is right. But understand where they're coming from. They are offended by the message of grace and their religion is, or the gospel, I should say, is diametrically opposed to the message of human effort. Their religion is opposed to the message of grace and it offends those who pride themselves on being good, decent, upright people. So understand that. But it's not only religious opposition that we need to be aware of. Jesus went on to speak of a second area from which we can expect opposition to arise. And that second area, it goes beyond religious circles. Now it is secular government. The second area that we can expect persecution is from secular government. The Lord speaks of this in verse 18. And he said, you will even be brought before governors and kings for my sake as a testimony to them and to the Gentiles. Now, in contrast to the religious persecution that would arise from Jewish councils, the Lord now reveals that believers can also expect hostility and opposition to the gospel to come from secular pagan rulers within the Roman government. Of course, he's talking in that day and age. The terms governors and kings is a reference to Roman authorities who ruled the ancient world during the lifetime of Jesus. Governors were men who were given regional authority by Rome over specific countries that, that uh, belonged to their empire. And so we read, for example, in the New Testament about Pontius Pilate. He was a governor of Judea at the time of Christ. Following him was a man by the name of Felix, and then a man who succeeded him was Festus. And we read about them in the book of Acts, especially in connection with the ministry of Paul. They were all governors of Judea. And kings, kings would be considered the various heads of, of state, leaders of their nation. Even though this is interesting, some of the kings mentioned in the New Testament, actually, though they had the title of king, they were not true kings. They were what we would call puppet kings. They, they had the name of a king, but they weren't real kings. And an example of this is the family of Herod. 
Rome let him use the title king of the Jews, but he really wasn't. And, and Herod was called king, and his descendants were actually called kings too. You'll read about King Agrippa the first, and then King Agrippa the second, and uh, they were related to Herod, but they weren't true kings. They just had that title. And the book of Acts reveals that the apostles experienced precisely what Jesus said they would because of their faith in him and the preaching of the gospel, they were forced to appear before Roman secular authorities. For example, let's, let's look at Acts chapter 12. In Acts chapter 12, we see this is exactly what the Lord said would take place. The beginning of Acts 12 says this. Now, about that time, Herod the king, this is Herod Agrippa I, laid hands on some who belonged to the church in order to mistreat them. And he had James, the brother of John, put to death with a sword. This would be the first apostle who was martyred, James. There are other James that's mentioned in the New Testament, but this is the apostle James. And he was killed by uh, King Herod Agrippa I. And when he saw that it pleased the Jews, meaning the Jewish leaders, he proceeded to arrest Peter also. So here we see the fulfillment of this. James is killed. Peter is now thrown into to prison, and uh, he would have had Peter killed too, but God intervened. We also read in the book of Acts, in Acts 24 and 25, about Paul appearing before Felix and Festus, who were successive Roman governors in Judea. And then in Acts 26, Paul appears before King Agrippa, one of the Herods. In fact, I, I love that that interaction there. Uh, in fact, uh, it's, it's, it's kind of amusing. I, I feel it applies to me when I, I read in Acts 26 that Paul is speaking to King Agrippa and he gets to the point of Christ's resurrection and Festus interrupts him and said, says, Paul, all your learning doth make thee mad. I've often thought about that, you know, and, and applied it. That's a joke. That's a joke, folks. About it. But anyway, anyway, um, what he was saying is, hey, Paul, you're a learned man. You've been reading too much. You're, you're believing this stuff about the resurrection. What are you talking about? But that's, that's where Paul appeared before a governor and a king. So precisely what Jesus said would happen, did happen in the lives of the apostles, and they aroused the anger of the Roman government. And though the days of the apostles and the days of the ancient Roman Empire are over, the enduring principle that Jesus was teaching is that as believers in every age, we can expect opposition to the gospel to come from secular government authorities. And I know that seems distant to us because in at this time in our history as Christians in the United States, we have not yet experienced persecution from our government. Because of our faith, we may not always like what they do, but nobody really has been officially brought before them and killed because of our faith. Yet I, I tell you that there are many believers down through the centuries and happening even today in other countries who have been arrested and tortured and killed for the gospel and don't think it won't happen here. It will. It will happen. How? Time will tell. But it will happen. And I think a very valid question to ask at this point is, why, why would the government, why would a secular government come after Christians? Why, why would they oppose the gospel? Why would, why would they target us? Well, don't they have more important things to do, like running, uh, the, the, the ruling the people, protecting their people? Why would they even care about Christians, let alone persecute us? Well, the answer to that 
was revealed by Jesus. Jesus actually told us the reason why secular governments would persecute Christians. And he did this as, as we read on in verse 18. He said, you will even be brought before governors and kings. And notice this. He said, for my sake. That's the answer. The reason that the Lord's people will be and, and have been attacked at the highest levels of government has absolutely nothing to do with us personally. But it has everything to do with the Lord himself. Jesus is saying that our suffering is for his sake. In other words, he said, the world hates believers because they hate me. They hate Christ. And the Lord very clearly spelled this out and expanded this in John chapter 15. Let's turn there. John chapter 15. Jesus explained why the world hates us so much, and part of the world includes government. John chapter 15. Notice verse 18. He starts off, and and, uh, let me back up and say this, that what our Lord is doing, this is the night of his betrayal. This is the upper room discourse. He is explaining to the apostles what life will be like without his physical presence. And he wants them to know it won't be a piece of cake. He wants to prepare them for what's coming. And so he says in verse 18, if the world hates you, and the thought in in the Greek language is this, not if the world hates you in the sense that they might hate you, they might not. It's since the world hates you. There's a definite, they do hate you. Since the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. Then he explains, and I think the key verse here is verse 19. If you were of the world, the world would love its own. But because you are not of the world, but I've chosen you out of the world, because of this, the world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you, a slave is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. And if they kept my word, they will keep yours also. But all these things they will do to you for my name's sake, because they do not know the one who sent me. Now, notice verse 19, why Jesus said that the world, meaning the unsaved people of this world, why they hate believers. It's because, according to verse 19, we're so different than them. Jesus said, if you were of the world, the world would love its own. They would love you because you affirm their behavior, their values, their standards. But I've chosen you out of the world, and you're different. They hate us simply because when we were saved, we began to change, be conformed to the image of Christ's character. And now we remind them of Jesus, and they absolutely despise Jesus. In other words, Jesus and his perfect holiness reflected in his high standards, his values, his ethics, his morals, his ambitions, his goals, his attitudes, his actions, all that we we now embrace. We, We live by these standards, and that really bothers the world because they don't live by these standards. And it's a rebuke. Our living is a rebuke to their standards and values, which are always opposed to the standards and values of Christ. And so they hate us, but they really hate him. It's just, note this, they can't touch him physically. He's already been crucified. They've already done that. They can't touch him physically, so they come after us. They come after us. Understand this. Every time you suffer for Jesus, whether it be an attack from the government, which, as I said, It's inevitable that it someday comes or you are verbally abused by someone at work or relatives or some of some nature. You are persecuted. Maybe you didn't get that job promotion, whatever it could be. Be encouraged by the fact that that attack is really intended for Jesus. 
It is an honor to suffer in his place. It is an honor. Your suffering is really a great honor because you are being persecuted in his name. The Apostle Paul in Galatians 6.17 said, For I bear on my body the brand marks of Jesus. Man, I've been whipped. I've got scars that were intended for Jesus. Only he's in heaven, so they can't do that to him. They do it to me instead. Paul said it was an honor. In Philippians 3.10, he speaks of, he said, Oh, that I may know him. But he didn't stop there. He said, in the fellowship of his sufferings. The fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death. He said, oh, that I, I, I enter into some sharing of Christ's sufferings. Now, certainly not in a redemptive sense. But in the sense of, I know a little bit of the sufferings of Christ. Because I'm, I'm getting beaten for him. And it's an honor. In, in Acts chapter 5, the Bible says that the apostles were beaten because of the preaching of the gospel. And then they were released and they said they glorified God. And they said it was an honor to suffer for you, Christ. But you know what, we, having said that, we still haven't answered the question, why does the government get involved in attacking us? We know that in general, unbelievers despise Christ and persecute believers in his place. And since government officials are, uh, are people who come under society and they hate believers too, we understand that. But why does the government officially get involved in persecution? Well, on the surface, there are a number of reasons why a government would be hostile to Christians. For example, the ancient Roman government opposed Christians because of the believer's insistence on worshiping Christ and total loyalty and supreme allegiance to Christ as our Lord and Master. And that was seen as a threat to the allegiance to the emperor who wanted to be worshipped. And believers said, we cannot worship him. We'll be, we'll be loyal citizens, but we cannot worship him. And so they were persecuted. Over the years, communist governments have persecuted believers because uh, atheism is a central tenet of communism, and therefore Christianity is viewed as a threat to that belief system. And in Islamic governments, they persecute believers in Christ, as you well know, because their governments are based on Islamic theology, and Islamic theology has no room for any belief that is contrary to theirs. We'll kill you if you don't agree with us. Now listen carefully. Emperor worship, communism, Islamic intolerance, and, and, and hatred are only surface reasons, only surface reasons for governments persecuting Christians. Beneath the surface, the real reason, the true reason that secular governments rise up in opposition to Christ and the gospel is because the ultimate enemy of God, and therefore our enemy, the devil, uses the governments of this world to resist the truth of God. That's what Scripture teaches. See, one of Satan's strategies as the God of this world is to control human governments. And let me show you this in Scripture, because you must take this by faith. No one sees this happening. We just see the evidence of it. But in Luke's Gospel, Luke chapter 4 it's also found in Matthew chapter 4, but in Luke chapter 4, we're told about when the devil tempted Jesus. And in verses 5 and 6, we see that one of the temptations revealed that Satan plays a huge role in the government. Luke chapter 4, beginning of verse 5, it says, And he led, he meaning the devil, led him, meaning Christ, up 
and showed him, it was a high mountain he took him to, it says, and he showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. What a display that would have been. He, he gave some type of a graphic imagery for Christ to see all the empires, the nations. That would have to have included the United States and, and our time in history. All flash in a moment of time before Jesus. And here's what he said. The devil said to him, verse 6, I will give you all of this domain and its glory. And note this, for it has been handed over to me and I give it to whomever I wish. Therefore, if you worship before me, it shall all be yours. You know, Jesus never said to him, pal, you don't have that kind of authority to even give that to me. He didn't, he didn't respond that way. He said, thou shalt worship the Lord thy God only and him shall you only serve. This was a legitimate offer. Satan as the prince of this world has some control behind human governments. See, even though the Bible teaches that government is God-ordained, it's a God-ordained institution, and that's why we ought to be obedient to rulers and governments that rule over us, except if they tell us to do something contrary to Scripture. But even though the government is God-ordained, Satan is the prince of this world, uses the governments to promote his agenda, and his agenda is always opposed to God and his people. Commenting on this concept of government and its antagonism to the gospel, John MacArthur in his commentary on Matthew has written wisely these words. Although government is established by God to preserve social order, it has also become an instrument of Satan to promote his work and, and to oppose the Lord's. Government is ordained by God, but manipulated by Satan. And Daniel, Isaiah, and Ezekiel all report demonic forces behind governments that were especially wicked. When its citizens turn away from the Lord and his standards, even the freest, and watch this, most democratic of governments, including that of our own United States, will eventually inhibit the free expression and practice of the Christian faith in hostility to Christ and his word. Folks, that time is coming. And although church history reveals that persecution against Christians have often been satanically sponsored by secular governments, listen, we haven't seen anything yet. The most intense form of government opposition has yet to come. It will come, we're told, during the time of the Great Tribulation. The book of Revelation in Revelation 13 speaks about about Satan's man, the Antichrist, known as the beast, who will be the one world ruler, who will, as he rules over this world, eventually demand that the people, the citizens of this planet, all worship him. And the Bible says those who refuse to worship him, which will be believers, will feel the fury of his unbridled wrath. Folks, it's coming. It's coming. But that's the most intense form to prove that, that, that Satan is behind governments. That will be the culmination of it all. Christians are suffering for their faith as never before. State-sponsored persecution is common in many Middle Eastern countries, as well as China and North Korea. Other governments simply ignore the abuse of their Christian citizens. We hear almost nothing about these events in the mainline media. But there are sources on the Internet and Christian radio which will keep you informed. We are pleased that you could join us for Verse by Verse. Pastor Teacher Steve Kreloff of Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida, is leading us through several studies about opposition to the gospel. 
Pastor Steve has been teaching at Lakeside since 1981. And now we at Verse by Verse Ministries have the joy of adapting his practical messages to radio. We are a faith ministry supported by the gifts and prayers of interested listeners who are first faithful to their own churches. If you would like to hear today's program again, please visit our website, versebyverseradio.org. You can listen online, or if you want to listen later on your MP3 player, download the audio to your computer. In fact, we offer a free podcasting service to automate the process. On the archives page, you will find previous lessons so that you can go back and fill in any that you might have missed. The web address once again is versebyverseradio.org. Today's class was the middle part of a three-part message. If you would like to hear the entire message at once, you can order an audio CD or a cassette tape. Just call us at 727-441-1714. You can leave your name and a number, and we will return your call during weekday office hours. That number again, 727 727- Four four one one seven one four. If God loves us and He is able to protect us, why does He so often allow His followers to endure such agony? These questions trouble a lot of people. Maybe you're one of those who struggle with this issue. Pastor Steve will address that subject in our next verse by verse. Please join us to find out why God allows His own. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.